Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, The Last Mercenary, Chapter 4. The look on Callie's face was priceless. How did you know? She asked his mom. Micah talks about you a lot. <laughs> that was a shocker. I didn't think he wanted anybody to know I even existed. She pointed out he purchased. Well, let's just say that he has ambiguous feelings about you. Ambiguous? Right. Plainly stated. Couldn't stand her. But if that was true, why had he come himself to rescue her instead of just sending his men? She drew in a breath as he tended to her. Am I going to be okay? You're going to be good as new in a few days, he smiled. Trust me. Micah seems to. He should have taught him everything he knows about surgery, he chuckled. I was a year ahead of him when we were in graduate school, and I thought classes for one of the professor professors occasionally. She smiled. You're very good. So was he, he replied grimly. She hesitated, but curiosity probed her. If it wouldn't be breaking any solemn oath, could you tell me why he didn't finish his residency? He did, without going into details. He realized medicine wasn't his true calling. She nodded in understanding. But you didn't hear that from me. He added firmly. Oh, I never tell people things I know. She replied, easy smiling. I work for a lawyer. He chuckled, do tell. He's something of a fire eater, but he's nice to me. He practiced criminal law back in Jacobsville, Texas. He put the medicine equipment to one side. I told her she could get dressed. I'm going to put you on some antibiotics to fight off infection. He studied her with narrow eyes. What you've been through is traumatic, he added as he handed her the prescription bottle. I'd advise counseling. Right now, she said on a low breath, I'm occupied with this trying to stay alive. The drug dealer is still after me, you see. His daughter, Michael, will take care of you. I know that. She stood up and smiled, extended her hand. Thanks. Shook his hand and shrugged. Think nothing of it. We brilliant medical types feel obliged to minister to the masses. Oh, for heaven. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Micah groaned as he entered the room, overhearing his friend. Dr. Chandler gave him a look full of frowning mock mockery. And aren't you lucky that I don't have to examine you today? We're leaving right now. He took Callie by the hand and gave the other man a grin. Thanks. Anytime you take care. You do the same. Callie was herded out the door. What the? Bill, she protested as he put her on outside. As he put her out the outside door and drew her into a vehicle that was waiting for them with the engine running. Already taken care of. Let's get to the airport. Callie settled into the seat, still wearing. I don't have anything with me, she said. Really, no papers, no clothes, no shoes. I told you, Maddie got all that together. He'll be waiting for us at the airport, along with tickets and boarding passes. What if Lopez's people there waiting for us? She worried. We also have people waiting there. We also have people waiting there for us. Bonju said from the front seat. Miami is our safest domestic port. Okay, she said and smiled at him. He smiled back. Michael and Bonjo exchanged a complicated glance. Bonjo turned his attention back to the road and didn't say another word all the way to the airport. Callie understood. Micah didn't want her getting too friendly with his people. She didn't take offense. She was used to rejection after so many years in foster care. She only shrugged and looked out the window, watching palm trees and colorful buildings slide past as they wove wove through side streets and back onto the expressway. The airport was crowded. Micah caught, on, caught her by the arm and guided her past the ticket counter on the way to the Concourse. But she put a stone argue, just walked through the metal detector. He followed close behind her, and neither of them was carrying anything metallic. But Micah was stopped when a security woman passed a wand over the two of them, and her detector picked up the residual gunpowder on his hands and clothing. The woman looked at her instrument and then at him with a wary, suspicious stare. He smiled lazily at the uniform woman holding the one. I'm on my way to a regional skeet shooting tournament, he lied glibly. Set my guns on ahead by express, unassembled. Can't be too careful these days where firearms are concerned. 
He had a catch in Callie's hand in it, right, honey? He murmured softly, drawing her close. To Callie's credit, she didn't faint at the unexpected feel of Mikey's arm around her, but she tingled from the head to toe, and her heart went wild. The airport security woman seemed to relax, and she smiled back. She assumed, as Micah had intended, that he and Callie were involved. Indeed you can. Have a good trip. Micah kept that long, muscular arm around Kelly as they walked slowly down the concourse. He looked down, noting the erratic rhythm of her heartbeat at her neck, and he smiled to himself. You have lightning-quick reflexes, he remarked after a minute. I noticed that in Cancun. You didn't argue, you didn't question anything I told you to do, and you moved almost as fast as I did. You're good company in tight corners. She shrugged. When he come in through the window... When he came in through the window, I didn't know who you were because of that face mask. Actually, she confessed with a sheepish friend. First, I figured you were a rival drug dealer, but I had high hopes that you might be kind enough to just kill me and not torture me first if I didn't resist. <laughs> he drew on a sharp breath and the arm holding her contracted with a jerk. Strange attitude, Callie, he remarked. Not at the time. Not to me, anyway. She shivered at the memory. He felt his arm tighten almost protectively. They were well out of earshot inside of the security guard. Micah, what was that wand she was checking us with? It detects nitrates, he replied. With it, they can tell if a passenger has any recent contact with weapons or explosives. She was keenly aware of his arm still holding her close against his warm, powerful body. You can, uh, let go now. She's out of sight. He didn't relent. Don't look. Well, there's a security guard with a two-way radio about 15 feet to your right. He smiled down at her, and I'll give you three guesses who's on the other end of it. She smiled back, but I didn't retrace. The lady with the nitrous wand. We're psyching them out, right? He searched her eyes, and for a few seconds, he stopped walking. Psyching them out, he murmured. His gaze felt to her sophoma. Exactly. She couldn't quite get her breath. His expression was unreadable, but his black eyes were glittering. He watched her blouse shake with the frantic rate of her heartbeats. He was remembering mistletoe and harsh words and the same look in Callie's soft eyes. That achy need to be kissed that made her look so very vulnerable. What the hell? He murmured roughly as his head bent her. It's an airport. People are saying hello and goodbye everywhere. His warm, hard mouth covered hers very gently, while the sounds of people in transit all around them faded to a dull roar. His heavy brows drew together in something close to anguish as he began to kiss her. Fascinated by his expression, by the warm, outer pressure of his mouth on her, she closed her eyes tight and fantasized that he might that he meant it he wasn't pretending for the benefit of security guards that he was enjoying the soft tremendous response of her lips to the teasing expert pressure of his own boss they didn't hear the gruff whisper was followed by the loud clearing of a throat and a cough they didn't hear that either callie was on tiptoe now short nails digging into the hard muscles of his upper arms hanging on to micah's slow tender kiss with little more than willpower so afraid that he was gonna pull away Micah, the voice said shortly. Micah's head jerked up for a few seconds, seemed as disoriented as Callie. He stared blankly at the dark-haired man in front of him. <clears throat> the man was standing on a small case door. Her papers and clothes and shoes and stuff. The man said nodding toward Callie and clearing his throat again. Maddie had me fly them over. Thanks, Pongo. The big, dark man nodded. He stared with open curiosity at Callie and he smiled really. It was my pleasure, he said, glancing again at Micah, making an odd little gesture with his hand in Callie's direction. This is Callie Kirby, Micah said shortly, adding, my stepsister. The big man's eyebrows over. Oh, I mean, I was hoping she wasn't a real sister. I mean, the way you were kissing her and all. He flushed and laughed self-consciously when Micah glared at him. Callie was scarlet, looking everywhere except at the newcomer. You'll miss 
You'll miss your flight out of here. Like I said poorly. What? Oh yeah, you're gonna kill me. I'm Pongo. I'm from St. Augustus. I used to wrestle alligators until Mikey here gave me a job. I'm sort of a bodyguard, you know. You're gonna be an unemployed bodyguard in 20 seconds if you don't merge with the crowd. Mikey said courtly. Oh well, sure. Bye now. He took Callie with an ear-to-ear -ear smile. She smiled back. He was like a big teddy bear. She was sorry they wouldn't get to know each other. Pogo almost fell over his own feet as he turned, jerking both busy eyebrows at his boss before he melted in the crowd and vanished. Stop doing that, Mike said coldly. She looked up at him like, doing what? Smiling at my men like that. These men are used to it. Don't encourage them. Her lips parted on a shaking breath. She looked at him as if she feared a fear his sanity. Them? She echoed it. Bon, bon, bongo. Bonjo and Peter and Pongo, he said, moving restlessly. He was jealous. God knew why it irritated him. Come on. He moved away from her, catching her hand tightly and pulling her along with him. Don't read anything into what just happened. He had it coldly without looking at her. Why would I? She asked honestly. You said it was just for appearances. I haven't forgotten how you feel about me, Micah. He stopped and stared indignantly down at her eyes. His own were narrow. Angry, impatient. She wore her heart where anyone could see it. Her vulnerability made him protective. Odd that when she was tough enough to survive captivity by Lopez and still kept her nerve during a bloody breakout. You don't have a clue how I feel about you, he said involuntarily, his fingers locked closer in hers. I'm 36. You're barely 22. The sort of woman I prefer is sophisticated and sweet and street smart and has no qualms about sex. You're still at the kissing in the parking car stage. She flushed and searched his eye. I don't kiss people in park cars because I don't date anybody. She told him with blunt honesty. I can't leave Dad alone in the evenings. Besides, too many men around Jacobs will remember my mother and think I'm like her. Her face stiffened and she looked, including you. He didn't speak. There was a little softness left in him after all the violent years, but she was able to touch some last, touch some last sensitive place with her sweet voice. Waves of guilt ran over him. Yes, he compared her to her mother that Christmas. He said harsh, cruel things. He regretted them, but there was no going back. His feelings about Callie unnerved him. She was the only weak spot in his armor that he ever known. And what a good thing that she didn't know that, he told himself. You don't know what was really going on that night, Callie, he said after a minute. She looked up at him. Don't you think it's time I did? She asked softly. He toyed with her fingers, causing ripples of pleasure to run along his spine. Why not? You're old enough to hear it now. He glanced around him cautiously before he looked at her again. You were wearing an emerald velvet dress that night, the same one you wore to your 18th birthday party. They were watching a movie while you finished decorating the Christmas tree. He continued absently. You just bent over to pick up an ornament when I came into the room. The dress had a deep neckline. You weren't wearing a bra under it, and your breasts were visible in that position right to the nipples. You looked up at me, and your nipples were suddenly hard. She gaped at him. The comment about her nipples was disturbing. She had no idea what he meant by emphasizing them. I had, I had no idea I was showing like that. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Not first. He held her fingers tighter. You saw me and came right up against me. Drowned me in that floral perfume you wear. You still don't tiptoe like you did a minute ago. Trying to tip me into kissing you. She referred to her embarrassed case. He said terrible things. The sight of you like that had aroused me passionately. He said, frankly, not when her shock dies, jumped to his face. That's right, and I couldn't let you know it. I had to make you keep your distance, not an easy accomplishment after the alcohol you had, for which, he had coolly, your mother should have been shot. It was illegal for her to let you drink, even at home. 
Anyway, I read you the right act, pushed you away, and walked down the hall, right into your mother. She recognized immediately what you hadn't even noticed about my body, and she thought it was the sight of her in that silky silver dress that had caused it. So she buried herself against me and started kissing me. You let out an anger bed. Father saw us like that before I could push her away, and I couldn't tell him the truth because you were just barely 18. I was already 32. The bitterness in his deep voice was blatant. She didn't feel herself breathing. She only been 18, but he wanted her. She never realized it. Everything that didn't make sense was suddenly crystal clear, except the comment about his body. She wondered what her mother had seen and recognized about him that she hadn't. He never told me. You were a child, Kelly, he said tonally. In some ways, you still are. I was never low enough to take advantage of your innocence. She was almost vibrating with the turmoil of her emotions. She didn't know what to do or say. During a long, slow breath as he stood here. Come on, he said, taking her on. We have to move or we'll miss our flight. He handed her the case and indicated the ladies' room. Good change. I'll wait right here. She nodded. Her mind was in such turmoil that she changed into jeans and a long-sleeved knit shirt, socks and sneakers, without paying much attention to what was in the small travel case. She didn't take time to look in any of the compartments because he said to hurry. She glanced at herself in the mirror and was glad she had short hair that could do without a brush. Despite all she'd been through, it didn't look too bad. She'd have to buy a brush when they got where they were going, along with makeup and other toiletries, but that could wait. Mike was propped up the wall when she came out he nodded proving what maddie had packed for her took the case here he said pressing her a small plastic bag insides were makeup a brush a toothpaste toothbrush toothpaste and deodorant she almost cried at the top again thanks she said huskily michael pulled the tickets and boarding passes out of his shirt pocket get out your driver's license birth certificate he said we have to have a photo id to board she felt momentarily panicked. My birth certificate is in my file at home and my driver's license is still in my purse in my car. He laid a lean forearm across a pretty mouth, sw slightly swollen from the hard contact with him. Your car is at your house and your purse is inside it and it's locked up tight. I told Maddie to put your birth certificate and your driver's license in the case. Have you looked for them? No, I didn't. She paused, putting the case down on the carpeted concourse floor to open it. Sure enough, her driver's license was in the zipped compartment that she hadn't looked in when she was in the bathroom. Beside that, beside that, the unknown Maddie had actually put her makeup and toiletries inside as well, in a plastic bag. She could have wept the woman's thoughtfulness, but she wasn't going to tell Micah and make him feel uncomfortable that he already brought her those things. She closed it quickly and stuck her license in her jeans pocket. Does Maddie really look like me? She asked as on the way to the ticket counter, trying not to sound as if she minded. He said they resembled one another. At a distance, he affirmed. Her hair is shorter than yours, and she's more muscular. She was a karate instructor when she signed on with me. She's 26. Karate? Black belt. He had. She seems to be very efficient, she murmured a little stiffly. He gave her a knowing glance that she didn't see in trouble. She's in love with Colby Lane, a guy I used to work with at the Justice Department. He told her she signed on with us because she thought he was going to. He didn't? <laughs> He's working for Pierce Hunton's outfit as a security chief along with Tate Whitrob, an acquaintance of mine. Oh. They were at the ticket counter now. He held out his hand for a driver's license, birth certificate, and presented them along with his driver's license and passport and the tickets to the agent on duty. He put the tickets in an eight folder with the boarding pass and a slot on the outside, checked the ID, and handed them back. 
Have a nice trip, you told him. We'll be aboarding in just a minute. Callie hadn't looked at her boarding pass. She was too busy trying to spot Bonjo and Peter and the others. They're already en route. Micah told her nonchalantly, having guessed why she was looking around. They aren't going with us? He gave her a weird look. Somebody had to bring my boat back. I loved it here in the marina when I flew out to Jacobsville to help Ebscott Side Park shut down Lopez's jug operation. It's still there. Why couldn't we have gone on the boat, too? You get seasick, he said before he thought. Her lips fell open. She'd only been on a boat once with him and her mother and stepfather when she was 16. They'd gone to San Antonio and sailed down the river on a tour boat. She'd gotten very sick and thrown up. It had been Micah who looked after her to his father's amusement. She hadn't even remembered the episode until he'd said that, but she didn't get seasick now, but she kept quiet. Besides, he had avoided her presence there. If Lopez does try anything, it won't be on an international flight out of the U.S. He's in enough trouble with the higher-ups in his organization without making an assault on a commercial plane just to get even for losing a prisoner. She relaxed a little, because that had been on her mind. Took her arm and drew her toward a small door, where a uniformed man was holding a microphone. He announced that they were boarding first-class passengers first, and Mike ushered her right down the ramp and into the plane. First class? He said, dazed as he eased her into a wide, comfortable seat with plenty of leg room. Even for a man of his height, there was enough of it. Always, he murmured, amused at her fascination. I don't like cramped places. She fastened her seatbelt with a worried smile. Considering the size of you, I can understand that, Micah. What about that? She added, ashamed that she was still belaboring the point. Maddie's got him under surveillance. When Bonjo, Bonjo goes back, he'll work a split shift with your, with her at your apartment to safeguard him. Evan saw her keeping her eyes out as well. I promise you, Dad's going to be safe. He hesitated, searching her wide pebble eyes. But you're the one in danger. Because they got away, she agreed, nodding. Same worried as dark eyes narrowed on her. Lopez doesn't lose prisoners ever. You're the first. Someone is going to pay for that. He'll make an example of the people who didn't watch you closely enough. Then he'll make an example of you and me if you can to make sure his reputation doesn't suffer. She shivered involuntarily. It was a nightmare that would haunt her forever. She remembered what she'd suffered already, and her eyes closed on a helpless wave of real terror. You're going to be safe, Callie. Listen, he said, reading her. I live on a small island in the Bahamas chains, not too far from New Providence. There was state-of-the-art surveillance equipment and a small force of mercenaries that even Lopez would hesitate to confront. Lopez isn't the only one who has a reputation in terror circles. Before I put together my team and hired out as a professional soldier, I worked for the CIA. Her eyes widened. She hadn't known that. She hadn't known anything about him. They approached me while I was in college before I changed my course of study to medicine. I was already fluent in French and Dutch, and I picked up German in my sophomore year. I couldn't blend I couldn't blend in very well in an Arabic county, but I could pass for German or Dutch, and I did. During holidays and vacations, I did a lot of traveling for the company. He smiled reminiscing. It was dangerous work and exciting. By the time I was in my last year of residency, I knew for a fact that I wouldn't be able to settle down into a medical practice. Couldn't live without the danger. That's when I left school for good. She was hanging on every word. It was amazing to have him speak to her as an equal, as an adult. They never really talked before. I wondered, she said, why you gave it up. He stretched his long legs out in front of him and crossed his arms over his broad chest. I had the scales, but as I grew older, the less I wanted roots or anything that hinted at permanence. I don't want marriage or children, so a steady, secure profession seems superfluous. On the other hand, being a mercenary is right up my alley. I live for those sur those surges of adrenaline. None of us ever knew about 
None of us never knew about that, she said absently, trying to let, not let him see how much it hurt to know that he couldn't see a future as a husband and a father. Now that she knew what he really did for a living, she could understand why. He was never going to be a family man. We thought it was the trust your mother left you that kept you in Armani suits, she added in a subdued tone. No, it wasn't. I like my lifestyle. He added with a pointed glance in her direction. He stretched lazily, pulling the silk shirt he was wearing taut across the muscles of his chest. Flight attendant actually hesitated as she stared started down the aisle, helplessly drinking in the sight of him. He was a dish, all right. Callie didn't blame the other woman for staring, but the flight attendant had blonde hair and blue eyes, and she was lovely. Her beauty was like a knife in the ribs that Callie pointed out all the physical attributes she herself lacked. If only she'd been pretty, she told herself miserably. Maybe Micah would have wanted more than an occasional kiss from her. Would you care for anything to drink, sir? The flight attendant asked, smiling joyfully as she paused by Micah's side. Scotch and soda. Scotch and soda, he told me, smiled. It's been a long day. <laughs> Coming right up, the woman said and went out at once to get the order. Kelly noticed that she hadn't been asked if she wanted anything. She wondered what Michael would say if she asked for a neat whiskey. Probably nothing. She told herself miserably. He might have kissed her in the airport, but he only seemed irritated by her now. The flight attendant was back with his drink. She glanced belatedly at Callie's grimace. Sorry, she told the other woman. I didn't think to ask if you'd like something, too. Callie shook her hands smile. No, I don't want anything, thanks. Are you stopping at Nossie or just passing through? The woman asked Micah boldly. He gave her a lingering appraisal from her long, elegant langster, full breast and loving face. She smiled. I live there. Really? Her eyes lit up as they can so far. So do I. Then you must know Lizette Dumboyer, he said. Dumboyer, the uniformed woman repeated frowning. Isn't her father Jack Queen Dumboyer, the French ambassador? Yes, he said. Lizette and I have known each other for several years. We're very good friends. The flatty tenant looked suddenly uncomfortable and a little flush. Micah was telling her in a nice way that she overstepped her introduction. He smiled to soften the rejection, but it was rejection just the same. Miss Dumbay is very lovely, the flight attendant said with a pleasant and more formal smile. If you need anything else, just ring. I will. She went on down the aisle. Beside him, Callie was staring out the window at the ocean below without any real enthusiasm. She hated her own reaction to the news that Michael was involved with some beautiful woman and Nasi. Not only a beautiful woman, but a poised sophisticated, sophistic, sophisticated as well. You're like Alyssa. He said carelessly, I'll ask her to go shopping with you. You'll have to have a few clothes. She has excellent taste. Implying that Kelly had none at all, her heart felt like iron right in her chest, having cold. That would be nice, she said, lying to her teeth. I won't need much, though. She added, thinking about her small savings account. You may be there longer than a day or two, he said in a careful, neutral voice. You can't wear the same clothes day in, day out. Besides, he added quickly, it's about time you learn how to dress like a young woman instead of an elderly recluse. <laughs> End of chapter 4.